Welcome to the Financially Intentional Podcast Expert Edition. Every Tuesday, I'll be joined by an expert in a particular field that is here to help you get your money right. These people are going to impart some serious knowledge, y'all. I'll be right here learning right beside you guys. So be prepared to take notes and more importantly, be prepared to take intentional action. What's up? What's up? What's up? My financially intentional people. We are back with Dr. J and we are going to talk about this interesting subject or follow up on the subject of long-term care insurance after having the conversation with my dad about his insurance, which went very interestingly, but that's what we're talking about today. Hey, Dr. J. You know, I had to ask because it was a while ago that we like talked about, you know, I'm going to talk to my dad and it's funny because this elder care issue is a huge one. You know, how do you like help your parents through it? And actually may have more impact your financial plan than your own choices. So, okay. Don't leave me in suspense. What did dad say? He was like, I don't know. (laughs) And you left it there. You're like. Thanks, no, man. you know, I didn't. I was like, listen, you know, I'm the one that's going to have to take care of you. So I need you to find this paperwork. I need you to call the retirement people and see if you have it in place. And basically he was like, I don't think so. Because I was like, it was something that you would have to pay for. Like, I mean, and I think this is where a lot of people are at because they're just like, I don't know if I had it, but if you're like, did you pay for it? Is it something that you remember coming out of your check? They're like, I don't think so then. And so that's kind of where he was at. Or he was like, I might've had it at one point and then I canceled it. And so I was like, okay, so this is what you need to look into. And so I'm telling my stepmom and to give you a little bit of background about my stepmom, my stepmom is Somalian born immigrated to Canada during the wars in Somalia. So came up in Canada and, you know, they have a totally different system of retiring. And so she had like all this pension and stuff there. But when she decided to move here and she, even though my dad and her have been married for a very long time, but it's like a Muslim thing. So then she, she didn't move here until probably like eight years ago. And so her, as an elderly person, as an older person, trying to figure out healthcare coverage, retirement coverage, and all of those kind of things is like mind blowing. And so she's constantly on my dad asking questions like, well, what do you have in place? And my dad's just like, I don't know, because... (laughs) He doesn't, but you know, she has had, she had those things in place in Canada, but now it's kind of null and void that she's here, but she still has to depend on that stuff because she's here with my dad. And so that sparked a conversation, which got her pretty upset where she was like, I've told your dad to get these documents in order to give them to you because you're the only one who knows how to figure them out. And also 
We don't even have our will in place. We don't have our trust in place. And if one of us dies, I have a crazy sister. If one of us dies, I don't want your crazy sister coming here and try to take this house. And that's what she'll do. And I talked to your dad and he's just so like, oh, that's not going to happen. And so it sparked that conversation. And, you know, we made some appointments with, you know, our estate planner and he's supposed to find that paperwork for me. Now, mind you, when did we record this episode and I talked to him the next day? I have yet to see that paperwork, but it's something that I have to constantly be on him about. But it's also something that now I have to think seriously about as far as my finances, because I'm honestly only plan for me and my kids. But after that episode, I had to think like, now I got a plan for my daddy and my stepmom too, because there ain't nobody else who's going to take care of them. And I have other brothers and sisters, mind you. It's not just me, but it's just me. Uh, and by the way, your discussion is completely normal. Like this is exactly how it goes. Doesn't matter kind of the history, all that. It, it just kind of is. And it's really an awkward conversation to start. Hey, dad, I want to ask you about your finances. And he's like, what the heck are you doing poking in there? And then you kind of work it through. And I think the hard part is people don't want to have the conversation. So they don't until like the person's like had a stroke or, you know, something's happened. And now they're trying to figure it out. And that's just hell. But I, now, mind you, I, I'm a little biased. So my mother's been disabled my whole life, you know, since I was like 16. So like I've dealt with this. Me and my sister have a whole system for sharing. How do we do this and taking turns? And so it's kind of just been part of my life. And I came out of healthcare and I got healthcare and finance together. And it's like, yep. But I, I can tell you right now, I have no clue what a will is or what the paperwork is because it's just whatever. You know, we'll you know we'll pick which battles we have to do. And that's the hard part. And it's funny when you talk about your example, your stepmom, is she still a citizen of Canada or was she ever a citizen? She just got her citizenship last year. In just the U.S. or Canada? Year. In the U.S. So, so she, she was a Canadian, Canadian citizen when she was there. You know what? I want to say she is, but I can't 100% say she is. I think she became became a citizen. She, she was there for a very long time and she worked for the government. So I want to say that she is a citizen, yeah. but I d I'm like 99% sure. Okay. So it, by the way, she needs to not give up that citizenship. I don't think she, I think she has dual citizenship. Okay. But so that is another thing to. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Ask. No, I'm going to make a list. You got to ask them. Yeah. So <laughs> Canadian citizens who are hanging in the U S or elsewhere, they're like, all right, for my long-term care, when I get old, I'm just going back to Canada because they actually provide for it. Mm -hmm. It's a valid option. You know, I don't know if Canada's going to love me saying that, but it, it works. Like, <laughs> go pay the bill there. That doesn't cover your dad at all, but that's the reality check. And, you know, it's so popular now. The term is the sandwich generation. Take care of your kids and your parents at the same time. And for those of us that are child-free, when you're taking care of your parents but you have no kids, we're called the open-faced sandwich. <laughs> you know, we just got to take care of them also. But it's like, and you're right. In families, like there's usually one or two people that have to carry it all, which sounds like it's going to be you. Because the other option, you'd be like, you know what? All right, dad, you're on your own. Good luck. But I don't see that in you. Is that fair? <laughs> I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I, I can't. I couldn't. I, I couldn't. But like, you're saying I your brothers and sisters can. 
They're children. I feel like they're still children. Like they haven't came of age yet. You know what I'm saying? And so they get a pass for the most part. They don't get a pass. You know, and this is one of those things. So the first thing is to start having conversations with your parents, which, by the way, really awkward. Like, but you need to have it now. How old's your dad? 66. Cool. If you hit 65 in the U.S., you get about 20 more years. That's just kind of how the math works. Each person's slightly different, but let, you know, let's just use some round numbers. Mm-hmm. On average, you know, women will be 3.7 years in long-term care, men are 2.2. But then we have like that going downhill routine where like they don't really need care, but they need someone to like run to appointments and make sure they're eating and, you know, like basic needs. By the way, my grandfather just turned 95 last week. Yeah. <laughs> so you got some long livers in your family. Yes. And by the way, sometimes grandpa's a good way to talk to dad about his stuff. Like, oh my God, you're dealing with all that with grandpa. How about we deal with this now for you? Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So one of the first questions is a set of boundaries. So I'm going to ask you these questions in the same and we'll kind of lay it out. Is it okay if dad moves in with you? Yeah. Okay. For how long? Forever. All right. With stepmom? Yes. All right. So so that means you're never leaving California. (laughs) They'll go with me wherever I go. They're with me wherever I go. Yeah. I'm just playing this out. You know, so me and my Uh wife, our rule is nobody lives with us. We're just kind of like, that's it. We know that's just not going to work. And, and that might sound cruel, but it's just kind of, we just know it's just not going to work. Boundaries. It is. It is about setting boundaries. That's the first step. You said, okay, dad can come live, live with me. So can stepmom. Now, what happens if you have to cut back work to take care for, take care of dad? You okay with that? Yeah. How are you going to pay your for bills? The short- <laughs> for the short term, I heard that. Like Short term. It has to how- be very short term. Yeah. I couldn't do it for longer than a year. So you get the problem. Well, you're a nurse. You can take care of dad. Listen. Oh, no, honey. Oh, (laughs) no. No. I'm going to tell you that right now. I'm a nurse at a hospital to strangers. When I come home, I don't want to be a nurse. Like, and I get it. It's my dad and stuff. But that is hard work. Like, I cannot do that. And I don't think that family members should be subjected to that because it's, it's like, too it's like too emotional you're too Mm -hmm. attached like you have to have somebody else do that i don't believe that just because i'm a nurse i can be a caregiver those are two different roles i'm with you but i'm testing your boundaries so what you just said is dad can live there i'll help him with his food but medical stuff he's on his own no i would have to pay for somebody okay so we're gonna pay for somebody so now you're gonna be a nurse hiring a nurse Mm -hmm. you okay with that Mm mm-hmm I asked that question because not everybody, you know, like this is one of those like mm-hmm. when, when it comes to caring for your parents, it's a question of do you want to give your time, your money, your skills? Like that's what I'm right. running down this list. Right. Because these are the boundaries. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, all right. So dad, whatever, has some type of problem, heaven forbid. And he's at 67. You're, he's going to spend the next 19 years living in your house. You okay with that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yes. the, the, the living yeah. together thing 
uh, you know, a lot of states have now actually added in like accessory apartments as an option where you can like, yeah. add mm-hmm. on. Or, mm-hmm. They get expensive. You're in California. Everything's like triple the price. But like some exactly. states can get away with it. Mm-hmm. But when people go, oh, yeah, my parents can live with me. They're thinking like six months, a year. And you know it's not going to be six months or a year. Mm-hmm. All right. And if you if you think you could handle it for six months, I'm going to tell you right now, they're going to move in and never leave. And you're going to be decades later and be like, what the heck did I sign up for? Mm-hmm. Or we get the alternative, especially for those that don't have kids, where you're going to move in with the parents, which is its own, you know, sometimes it's easier, whatever. But we have to set this boundary and we have to set it now, not when there's a medical issue. Mm-hmm. Dad slips and falls and breaks a hip is not when you want to have these discussions. You want to know in advance what are you willing to do because when they're hurt, you're willing to like bend down your boundaries. Yeah. And I don't want you to do that. And if you're married, you need to have this conversation with your spouse. Yeah. I might be okay with my mother living with us, but I'm not okay with my mother-in-law living with us. And by the way, <laughs> it's probably the flip-flop for my wife. I'm just kind of right. like... That's why we set the rule. Nobody lives with us. Right. Because there's just too much problems. Yeah. And and I think that's the hard part of this. And if you've got a spouse, now you you might have four set of four different parents to handle. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, like, it's ridiculous. And what Mm -hmm. gets really kind of worse in this in the parent situation, what happens when one person's parents are well-prepared and one is not? So we give money to one, but not the other. One's healthy, one's not. Like, oh. So what's happened is in the U.S., life expectancy has gone, you know, it's, it's gone up over the years. Our support for seniors has gone down. I mean, like, in the U.S., you know, Medicaid is what's going to take care of long-term care, and that's not great care. Medicare is going to take care of health care, which is not always the best. So we're having to fill in the blanks. And, and I, I, it's one of those things where, like, I have people that they're in their 40s, and now they're having to, like, raise, you know, and diaper their parents who are in their 70s. And I'm like, I'm not doing that. I'm just not. I don't, and I feel bad for saying it, but I'm not doing it. I mean. It's nothing wrong with saying that. It's not easy. Listen, I'm a labor and delivery nurse for a reason. Like, there's certain things I will and won't do, you know? So, listen, I get it. And then we get to the financial question. So, all right, Nasima, how much of your retirement are you willing to give up for your parents? Because here's where this goes. If you cut back on work, you're really cutting back on your retirement. Or if you have to stop work for a year, you know, somebody has an intensive thing you need. Now we're, we're not even doing it. Maybe we have to pull from our retirement. So how much of your financial security are you willing to give up for your dad? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, so we have FMLA, which helps. Which cover. doesn't cover your money. That only covers your no, job. No, it just covers my, that only protects my job, right? So, yeah, I don't know. That's a tricky question. And, so it, and I, it's like, it's like one of those, it depends things, because if you're saying that this is going to be a decade plus long thing, that's pretty substantial. That's like all of my money, but he has a retirement and he has, but it's just like in Medicare. 
but it's I, like, I'm not talking about his money yet because okay. you have to set your boundary first. Right. Okay. All right. At some point, you're going to have to, you know, let him hang out there and, you know, on his own and say, all right, this is what you have for money and good luck. And that's where it's like, that really feels bad because you're mm-hmm. like, I have the money, but I'm not willing to give it. And this is where people are like, but I would give it, I'd give it all. Well, then you're, you know, $108,000 a year for long-term care. Okay. You can burn through your savings. <laughs> in really, no really time. fast. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. And, and that's just for one person. Uh-huh. And we haven't even talked about my mama, which we probably won't. Well, <laughs> you didn't bring it up, so I was avoiding it. <laughs> you know, especially since you said, you know, we got to split and now they're going to live under the same roof with you. Uh-huh. No. Like, like that's fireworks. No. I, I can just tell. Right. So where I'm going with this, it's a question of what you're willing to give up. So I interviewed a couple for my book and really interesting. Uh, she had a really good job project manager for an organization doing well. And her father had terminal cancer. And actually her husband ended up quitting his job just to cart dad around to chemo and all the other stuff. And they lived on one salary for a long time to take care of dad. And it was the right decision for them. But like, do the math on that. All right. That's not easy. Luckily they were, you know, they had no debt. They were financially independent enough. They could do that, but I don't know. It's expensive as heck. Yeah. Besides the caregiver fatigue and all the other stuff that comes with it. And, you know, (sighs) okay. So for those people that are listening, uh, I'm going to have to have Nasima like take clips of this, put it on Instagram. So you can see her face. Cause she's like, really? I don't know why we're talking about this stuff. Like, this is just like giving me heartburn and just, you know, like. No, but seriously, it is like, because I mean, like I talk about money all the time. Right. But still this issue is still something that is like so unknown. I don't readily talk about it, which means I don't readily think about it, but just the thought of the sacrifices and and the fact that you know it's it's me that's going to have to be the one to step up and do this is it is causing me heartburn. Like I, I actually physically have heartburn right now. <laughs> so, I, I'm going to cause you a little bit more, and I apologize. It's okay. Do the math. <laughs> mm-hmm. Your kids are going to go to college at the same time Dad needs care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a double whammy financially. Yeah. I mean, well, almost, uh, yeah. look at it. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> I'll be like, your college education is taking care of your grandfather. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I wouldn't do that to my kids. Well, I but... people do that. Like, hey, you get to live with grandpa and you get his house when he dies. You right. Know, and, but then you got to take care of grandpa. And, you know, okay. Those are options, but not nice. Right. You know, so first step is the boundary. Second step is asking them about their stuff, which by the way, Mm -hmm. always a fun conversation as you just learned. Like guys, like, I don't know. I don't know. Here's the, here's the checklist. So they got to have a will and you got to have a copy of it. Like Mm -hmm. the, the, the nightmare is, Oh, you're the executive of the will, but it's in a safe deposit box. that You don't have access to like, thanks dad. You know, right. becomes an issue. Living will is the medical power of attorney and you have to pick who in your family is going to make the decisions. I was reviewing one the other day 
Now, mind you, I review them from a financial standpoint, not legal standpoint. But the example was for grandma, the, the kids, two of them together will make the decision. Now, if you've ever tried to get two family members to make a decision about their mom or grandma, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Like getting two people to agree on, you know, whether we're going to pull the plug or not, uh, not going to happen. That's why I recommend somebody be the primary and somebody be a secondary, a backup. That makes good sense. Not, we have to decide together. Two people deciding together, oof, financially, medically, doesn't work. So, Nasima, are you going to make the choices for your dad medically? Yes. It'll be me alone. Okay. Then the other one we have is the financial power of attorney, which you will mm-hmm. see depending on the state. There's a thing called springable, which means like when they're incapacitated. Other times... It's, you know, some states don't allow that, but are you going to be making your dad's financial decisions? Which was not optimal, but I think I'd be the only one he would trust to do that too. Okay. When it comes to the, by the way, for the medical one, make sure it's on file with like the primary care doc and you have a copy, Mm -hmm. say for Mm -hmm. the the financial. When Mm -hmm. it comes to the financial, what you also need to go with that is in a case I die file, which is like, where are their accounts? What's their insurance? What's their retirement? All of that. And you want to make sure the beneficiaries are set to match the will. But it comes to a point with family members where it's going to be easier for you to take over finances now than have two people have mixed hands or whatever. And it's a kind of matter of elder abuse and other things and financial fraud and things that happen to, to elders. At some point, you're going to need to say like, all right, dad, I got it. And mm-hmm. stop him from doing anything with it. Also, you want to get listed on his accounts as a trusted person. Now, mm-hmm. this is a little different than the power of attorney. It's someone that say, like, dad goes in and, like, tries wiring $20,000 to somebody. The bank goes, wait a minute. He's never wired money ever to anyone. They call the trusted person, like, is this right? It, now, that trusted person doesn't have control, but it's just like a, a speed bump it's, to it's go. It's a safety check, yeah. Wait a minute. It's kind of to protect dad from himself. You know, my grandmother got sold a cruise and she had never left the U.S. in her in her life. And, you know, like it was just they called at the wrong time and she had her credit card and gave the numbers. And the, the, the current scam is, you know, oh, your nephew is in some country and, you know, was arrested or whatever and needs bail. And and, and like, yeah, you know, really folks that are sending one. that all the mm-hmm. time. Mm hmm. Yeah. I've heard that. All right. So the trusted person's job is to kind of get in the way there. Now, here's the question. You said, and I'm using your words. So we have the crazy sister. Mm-hmm. How's it going to go when you're managing dad's money that she thinks is going to be hers? <laughs> oh, those conversations are not going to be <laughs> good. Oh, yeah. You know, that that's when they come out the woodwork. He's been missing for years. Then all of a sudden spring up like, well, I should get this and I should get that. Yeah. Or my kids are just as entitled to everything as your kids and all this kind of stuff. Yep. And, and where we see this a lot is one family member does all the caring for dad, mom, grandma, whatever. That person passes and then everybody comes out of the woodwork mm-hmm. going with their hands out going, so, how are we going to sell the house? And how are we? Gonna, and I'm like, you didn't care for them when they were sick, but mm-hmm. like they're not even buried in the ground, and you're asking for the money already. Mm-hmm. And I'm not exaggerating at all. Like, oh, I, I see it all the time. Like people just have this sense of entitlement. Like, 
well, that's just because they're an offspring that they automatically are supposed to get a certain percentage of this person's death benefits or whatever they have. No, (laughs) that's not how it works. Yep. And what happens with this is now we get into contested wills and all the other, it's just Mm -hmm. a nightmare if you don't pay for it. If you have a will, at least you got something. You know, the only reason not to get a will is if you hate your family and you want them to fight over it. You know, like, Mm -hmm. it's just kind of like how it goes. And the reality check is, you're going to do all this for your dad, and then all your siblings are going to come by and smack you for, you know, something you, you know, oh, no, you know, you spent too much of his money on his health care. And you're like, really? It was his money. Like, it it is rather simple, but people just get in the middle of this. Mm -hmm. So... Really, dad needs to be having those conversations with everybody in advance, but mm, no, he ain't going to do that. You know, they don't they don't like to, you know, stir the pot. That's the whole thing. Oh, we just want to keep it peaceful, not knowing that all they're doing is passing that down for something for me to handle. And it's not going to be taken the same. And some lawyers, too. Yeah, exactly. We're going towards. Exactly. So So you want to have that all written down. What do you want? Mm-hmm. You know, even down to like where we be buried or whatever else. Uh-huh. You know, where's all the secret money? What's that? And part of it is to have a discussion about like, do I spend all your money on healthcare for you or not? Right. You know, so, so my grandmother worked her whole life, actually owned a, a restaurant, a motel, and sold that, had a bunch of money, and just hated being in a nursing home. So we paid for 24-hour care for her in her house for years, and pretty much every penny she ever owned went to pay for that, but she was happier in her house. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. There are family members that are like, wait a minute, you know, you're spending my inheritance. No, that's her money until she dies. Okay. Like we're going right. to spend it on their health care. And, and it becomes a balancing act. So part of the stuff to help you if one of your loved ones is sick is to actually hire an aging care manager. Mm. And these are usually nurses or social workers who can fight with the insurance company, make sure healthcare is right. But it's also somebody you can blame and say, hey, they said this is what dad needs. I'm following their advice. Mm-hmm. In particular, this is important for you, Nassima, because you're a nurse. They're going to think it's your judgment. If you can blame yeah. somebody else, you're like, yes, I agree with them, but this was their decision. It was their decision. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The other one, and this is a little bit of a shameless plug, but go with it is to get a financial planner to help you with their finances and go through it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I work with child-free folks, and the only parents I take right now are parents of my child-free folks. Mm-hmm. of saying, hey, how do we help dad and mom with their finances? And what do they qualify for? And do they have an estate plan? And how is it there? And all that. The reality check is it's going to be really hard, even though you're a financial expert in the same for you to tell your dad about his finances. Like, it just... No, that's not... I wouldn't do that. And and I and the thing is, it's still that we kind of like respect thing that happens, like you know. And then there's this whole thing. I don't know, as black people, you know. Well, why are you trying to be all up in my business? Like that's that's a, that not your place as a child. Like this grown folk stuff. Even though I'm very grown with my own kids, mm-hmm. it still becomes like this grown folks business. Like you shouldn't be concerned about it. But then if they get sick and when they get sick, guess who the first person they call is. So, you know, it's just like this thing, like, oh, 
it's so hard to have these conversations. And then like, even when I tried to have this conversation with my grandfather, for example, it was just like, well, that's somebody else's job. Like that's my uncle's job. Right. And I'm just like, well, has he taken care of it? That's all I want to know is, has he taken care of it? And it was basically like, well, that's really not your business, but it really is. Well, I mean, this is a boundary issue. And if they say it's not right. your business and okay, fine, I'll step away completely. Right. Now, by the way, in my heart, I might not, but like, you know, yeah, I, I have to respect it to an extent. What I have done with some people and it does work well is let's say you're concerned about grandpa. You pay for an aging care manager to, to look on the medical side and you pay for a financial planner for a couple hours for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't need to know anything about it. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pay for some professionals to help you through it. Right. Now, by the way, they have to be willing, right? But it is, it is a way to do it for you to be, to feel good about it. You know, you, you've hired a fiduciary to kind of look at it and go, all right, grandpa work on this stuff. I have said sometimes where like, you know, grandpa will say, oh yeah, I want to bring so-and-so into the meeting. That's fine too. Mm-hmm. Or they just want to do it alone. That's fine too. But mm-hmm. now you have a professional who's kind of, who can say, dude, you don't have a will, get one. You know, where if you say it, they're like, well, that just means you want my stuff. No, I don't really care about your stuff. I just want you to have it all in paperwork so that it doesn't get like stolen from you or just disappear. Now, I have to say, as a nurse, this is my very first time ever hearing about an aging care professional. Like that is like kind of mind blowing to me. And I'm so glad you brought it up because I think it's kind of a genius role. I wouldn't be able to do it, <laughs> but to, to be in the healthcare space all these years as a nurse, as a nurse practitioner, and not even know that that existed is kind of shameful. And I feel bad, but then I think I also feel like it's a failure in the system because that is something that should be readily known, but maybe it's because I don't work with aging and older people that I don't know that. But still, I don't think that, you know, so I kind of want to create a poll to see how many people actually know that role exists. And and you got a whole bunch of nurses now listening to this going, maybe I should do that job. Like it actually pays well for people to do well. So in the healthcare world, you'll have like social workers on the floor. And that's kind of a start to it. But here's the thing. The social workers that are there for the hospital aren't there 100% for the patient. Is that fair? hundred percent. I'm just being polite about it. Sometimes like your city or county will have a social worker that's, you know, like you can leverage. But this, you know, it's like an aging care manager. They call them geriatric care managers. People don't like the term geriatric. By the way, it doesn't have to always be aging. Sometimes like you got chronic illness or other things. Is somebody you pay to fight with the healthcare system. Mm-hmm. I'll give an example of this. One of my colleagues has one for her grandmother. Grandmother's got in-home care. And uh, grandma got COVID and everybody was providing in-home care just like left. We're like, yep, I'm not taking care of grandma in her house. Now we can have a separate discussion about what that means. But the aging care manager got on the phone, got all the PPE in place, got new care people in place, and grandma was okay. That's something somebody that has those contacts that can do it, that can work it through, figure out if we can cover with health insurance or who's got to pay for this. And by the way, they get paid well. I mean, you know, they're close to 200 bucks an hour for doing it right. 
So and, wait, and so let's let's speak about the pay though. Like two hundred bucks an hour. Is this come? Is this private pay or is this through your insurance? Oh no, you're paying for it, and you're calling the tomb on this one. Yeah. Oh, wait, health mm-hmm. insurance will have social workers also, but mm-hmm. those social workers are all trying to prevent you from using the insurance. Mm-hmm. All right. Oh, this and great by- healthcare system in this country. I so love it. Don't you just love it, Doctor J? Yeah, well, that's we have to pay somebody to be our advocate to actually even just like make it through. <laughs> you, know, you know, so what happens when you're actually sick? Navigating the healthcare system is even harder, and forget billing yeah. and all the other fun stuff that comes with it. So I'm a big proponent of aging care managers, but here's the problem: finding a good one is really hard because the ones that are good are already working. They're bu- they're booked and busy, honey. Like. <laughs> Because I mean, like I can imagine, like it's not a t- it's not a, a hidden and quitted thing. It's not like a one time thing. Like they are working with these people over a course of their chronic illness, or they're working with these people over the course of their aging life. And so it's one of those things. Like once you get a caseload, which you really, how much can you take on when you have to navigate this convoluted system? Like, yeah, I get it. Like they are hard to find, and they are in high demand. Yep. So here's a couple tips on this. There's a, actually a website called aginglifecare.org so they can find some people in your area. But I also want you to talk to your friends about it because somebody knows somebody. And it's like a, it's like a secret. Oh, I use so-and-so and she's phenomenal, but she's busy. Well, I want her number. I want to get to know her. I'm going to pay her for an hour just so that she says hi to me and knows I know I exist. And then when I need her, she's there. You know, so one of, one of my people I work with, they, you know, dad's got Alzheimer's. Well, that's a huge medical issue, a huge care issue. An aging life care manager can come in and go, let me give you an analysis of what's going on and where we're going and what do we got for care options? How do we fit this? Because if you go to the doctor and you say, hey, you know, dad's got Alzheimer's, what should I do? They go, well, here's the, the care of a lot. They don't answer the question like, can you take care of it at home? Do they have to be in a facility? They're using you. So yeah. they're like, oh, Nasima, you're a nurse. You can handle this. Yeah. And you're like, dad just, you know, my grandfather had Alzheimer's. He drove through the house with the car. Okay. Seriously. Like those things happen. Like grandpa just drove, drove through the house. I can't care for him. And they're like, and I, oh, I actually you know. remember I was in the hospital with my friend's dad. So this is one of my friends that I just grew up with. Not my dad, but something happened in the hospital. He had a little seizure and I wasn't, I had to be the nurse in the room because the nurses were MIA. So then all of a sudden they had made the decision that he was going to go to palliative care and they were asking, the doctors were asking me, yep. so should we transfer him home? Does he need to go to this facility? I'm like, I am a visitor. Like I literally just came as a visitor. So like, just to put that into context for you, like the decisions that, you think would be made by a provider? <laughs> They're like, I don't handle that. I just handle his care here. You got to figure out the rest or somebody has to figure out the rest. So just <laughs> put that in perspective for people because it happens. Yep. Then you wonder why I'm saying pay a professional. Yeah. You're a medical person and you're pushing back. If you were a non-medical person, I'm like, I have no clue. That's why I'm here for you to tell me. <laughs> like, Yes. You know, and they go, well, what insurance do they have? I don't have a clue. You know, what do they qualify? I don't know. Is it, yeah, 
And, and that's where, you know, I have a lot of family members taking care of elders. And I'm like, pay for professionals on both the medical, financial, and then the mm-hmm. other one is the legal, of course, you know, estate planning, all the paperwork. Mm-hmm. Pay for that. And it just gives you more room in your heart to, to care for them. I shouldn't have to worry about should dad be in a home or not. I should have somebody give me a recommendation and then I'll follow that recommendation if I trust it. And then I can just care for dad. That's the difference. Yeah. I don't know, Nassim. I'm throwing a lot at you. You, you look like usually we do these. You're, you're, you're pretty engaged and laughing and have a good time. Like you're looking like. Man, this well, because is not fun. I'm like, um, because I, I'm, and I, I think this is like really good advice. And so, just like you said, you have to pay for a professional, like medically, financially, and legally, to handle those things, so you can deal with the emotional piece. I think that's the biggest takeaway from this because this is something that a lot of people just don't talk about, and even in the personal finance space, we don't talk enough about this. And so it's not something that's on the forefront of our brain. And it, it does. It, it is making me uncomfortable because I'm just like, well, shit, I, I have to put this stuff in place. And and then I'm also thinking from my client's perspective, who still won't do the little things to get their finances in order, you know, like how much effort it would take for them to now set up a care planner for their parents then set up a CFP for their parents, then set up an estate planning attorney when they haven't even done that for themselves. And so I'm thinking about it on both sides. Like I haven't put these things in place. Then it's easy for it's easier for me to put these in place because I know exactly who to call. Like when you said that, except for the care planner, I, I know who to call and just be like, listen, we got to do this stuff. Let's pay for a couple hours and let's get this stuff in order. And I know I'm going to do that. But I know that 99% of people just don't do this. And so I'm wondering, like, how do people handle this? Like, it's a problem. And and, and the problem, and I apologize, I made a little bit of downer take, because the one thing you didn't mention was boundaries. And we started with the boundaries, then we go to paying for people. But the problem is, if you wait until there's an issue, you're kind of out of luck. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you wait, you know, oh, dad's got dementia. What should we do? Now, dad can't even do his paperwork and you don't have a clue where his accounts are. And like now we're starting in a rough spot. You got to be mm-hmm. having these conversations well before there's an issue. You know, when we talk about cognitive decline, you know, Alzheimer's and dementia, stroke, other things, if they lose their mental capacity, they may not be able to even sign the paperwork, which now we're talking about courts and all the other fun stuff with it. And that's, I can't even imagine the nightmare there. So you got to be having these conversations and people go, well, when I'm like now, well, dad's not that old. Well, I don't care. Like yeah. just start the conversation now. Well, but I'm young and they're, yeah, that's nice. And then I have people that have a stroke in their fifties and, you know, next thing you know, it's changed their whole life, you know, and there's still, you know, 30 years of care they need. I, I mean, it, it's, it's the intersection between finance and medical. And by the way, in the U.S., those two, both systems are a bit broken. <laughs> and now we have to take care of it ourselves. Right. Oh, Lord. This is a lot. <laughs> so, I'm like, how can I fade to the background and be that child that just comes to collect the money at the end? <laughs> I'd love to be that, but my parents got nothing. You know, like... 
Right. You know, it, it, it's one of those things where we need to just be okay having rough conversations and we're not. Yeah. You know, I, I had another one for my book I interviewed. She did all this paperwork for her parents because they were going to move in with her and looked at changing the house and she decided she would have all the paperwork. And then her husband died at 50, but she never will or anything in place there. Yikes. And by the way, when I say Yikes. husband, they were together for 20 years, but not actually married. So that makes the paperwork even harder. You know, and they're like, oh, I did that all for my parents because I knew they needed it, but I didn't do it for myself. So we got to like do it all at once. And people get overwhelmed. I'm like, just do one piece at a time. Like, just start a conversation. People go, well, how do I start the conversation? You say, well, Dr. J said I had to talk to you about this. You know, y'all aren't my clients, but I don't care if you use my name in vain. That's perfectly fine. And say, hey, this financial planner guy said I need to talk to you about what your finances are, what your medical, what your wills and live will. And they're going to go, all right, fine. Because now they don't think you're just there for the money. And start the conversation now. You know, I, I just, it's going to be awkward but it's better done now than when something happens. I concur. I could say because I've kind of initiated those conversations, it's kind of hard because, you know, then they kind of just like put it off and they're just like, oh, we can talk about it later. Or you wait for you're waiting for paperwork and then they never kind of get it and you have to bring it back up. It's like when somebody owes you money, you know, the communication becomes a little sparse. You know, <laughs> it really feels like that. It's like, I'm trying to help you. Like, can you like just do your part? But it's not easy. Well, and, and the fun part is your dad is actually waiting you out and he's won so far. If, I didn't, if we didn't have this podcast, he would have been like, well, you know, I know the paperwork's supposed to give me that at some point. Oh, yeah. I would have had the conversation. I just got back. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think bottom line is if you don't have these conversations, you're going to be giving up your home, your retirement, and other things for them, which is your choice to give up or not. But I want to have a plan for it so right. that I'm not giving up my entire career, my life, my money to care for my loved ones. Well, something to think about, something to plan for, more conversations, more difficult conversations to have, but much needed and I think what's more important is like having a plan in place and not just like being, what was me and this is going to be hard and I'm going to be broke, but actually trying to strategize around it. So hopefully there is some resolve and there's a plan because yeah, like you said, like, shoot, it might be me that's gone <laughs> and then who's going to do it, you know? So we need to think about these things. And luckily I have a plan in place for me. But that's also something to think about in my will. What if I go before my dad? Like, is he going to be included in getting some of those benefits? Like, you know, so I didn't even think about that in doing my estate plan. Things You're like, he's not going to need the money, so I'm just going to give it to my kids. And, you know. <laughs> and then there it goes. Yeah. And and then the, the killer part about it is if that's the case, then he's probably going to be the one. Having the, you know, the lion's old of like taking care of my kids because that's what he does, you know? And so, and that's also why I have the obligation. Like, you know, he's taking care of me. He's a single dad to care of, take care of my kids. How can I not take care of him? But 
to what cost is what we have to sit down and figure out and, and talk about. So I love that we're having this conversation, even though it is a hard conversation, even though it did give me a lot of heartburn, even though it does give me a lot of difficult conversations to move forward with, but also oh important. And so that's why I love having you on here because we get to have those hard conversations, but with actionable plans that we can put in place to address them. So I appreciate you, Dr. J. Hey, I'm always happy to do that. And it's one of those things where it's the hardest to start the conversation and then it gets better. You yeah. just got to like, <laughs> it's that first like, hey, dad, I want to have a conversation about money. <laughs> and right. That's the hard one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks again, Dr. J, for this conversation as I'm sitting here with my daughter, <laughs> who was only going to be the middle one that I have to take care of. And she's going to have that conversation with you in about 30 years. Hey, mom, I want to talk to you about your finances. You know, I would hope that I would have this stuff in place already for her. So just like I would hire those three people for my dad, I want to do that so that my kids don't have to worry about that for me. And I think that's an important conversation that we need to have too in the personal finance space, like how to protect your kids from having to be in the position <laughs> that most of us are in and how to plan for that because it's expensive, but there are some preventative things like everything is easier to pay for the planning than it is to pay for it in the back end, especially with a probate court is insane. And then yep. your and then your wishes aren't being met. So Well, and it's such a big issue. One of my colleagues, Daniel Mira, just started a firm Spark Financial, and all she does is deal with the sandwich generation. People caring mm. for their kids and their parents at the same time. Because like balancing those two and you know who gets what and where and how do we not like lose ourselves in the middle? It's a hard one. And, and you know, yeah, I, I deal with child-free folks, so we don't have the same. We have a different set of issues, but it, it caregiver fatigue is real, and you got to have a plan for it and a balance. And I don't know, you know. God bless you for figuring out, you know, with a whole bunch of kids. I have enough trouble just me and my <laughs> wife and my dogs. <laughs> but so, like you said, I think your firm deals with people who are child-free, so you guys have that open face sandwich generation kind of thing going on. And I and I think like in our first podcast, you st shared the statistics of actually child-free people typically care for their parents at higher rates than you know people that actually have kids, like parents that actually have kids. So I thought that that was an interesting statistic, but that's the people that you serve um, primarily. So if somebody is child-free and is looking for help around that, then you can kind of fill in that financial planning void for them. Absolutely. We call it the, the financial bingo, which is, hey, you don't have kids, so you can take care of mom and dad. Anyway, Dr. J, thank you so, so much for joining us again and dropping so much knowledge and so much for us to think about, but also things that we can do proactively to help, you know, deal with these issues that a lot of us don't like to think about. Happy to thank be here. Thank you for listening to my mommy's podcast. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.